You are listening to the Real Faith Stories podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Elisa, welcome to Real Faith Stories. So good to have you on the program today. Thank you. It's so good to be here. I'm very interested in what we're going to talk about today, which is spiritual elder care. Now, I know when somebody hears that, they're going to tune out. But there's other people who are going to hear <laughs> that and say, what is this? And I think this is a critical thing we're going to talk about, particularly understanding that people with dementia and Alzheimer's, actually you can bypass that in the spirit and they're so alive even though you might not know that. Is that a fair statement? That's exactly right. I think there's a, a perception in our culture that once you've lost cognition or cognitive ability almost at any level, that you're kind of checked out of the world and and of even spiritual things, which in my experience couldn't be farther from the truth. So yeah, it's a very fair statement. <laughs> when you shared that with me initially, this hope just welled up inside of me that Ooh. I've been missing this whole facet of capability with respect to loving people with those issues. Exactly. I would love to find out a little bit more about you and your backstory so that others can understand Who's Elisa Bosley? Well, thank you. So I have I've always really enjoyed being around older people. I, I'm very lucky and blessed that I had all four of my grandparents, two in Costa Rica and two in the United States, well into my college years and past that. I mean, my my first grandparent died when I was in college. So I spent a lot of time with um, the elderly. Interestingly, none of the four of them had dementia, but more, much more recently, my father-in-law developed fairly early onset um, Alzheimer's. He passed away in 2012 at the age of 76. And I loved ha hanging out with him. So as this disease started to develop and my mother-in-law was uh, the full-time caregiver, an amazing woman. It was just one of those things where I really enjoyed hanging out with him and I was good at it. I, I just loved spending time with him and the, the immediacy of his life and his ability to interact with the world. It was just in that moment, mm -hmm. right? there, With a lot of dementia, eventually especially, there is no five minutes ago. There is no five minutes from now. It's just now. My husband and I are very lucky to be able to be intimately involved in that journey for the several years that he was ill. And then after that, I realized, you know, I really, really like this area of <laughs> this demographic, as it were. And so I started volunteering at the memory care residence where he had spent the last several weeks of his life and loved it and learned a lot. It is a wonderful community that had a value for spiritual care. So the they had an activities director who performed a very simple church service every week. And I saw that and I, oh, this is fantastic because my background in, in spiritual things is as a worship leader and Bible study leader, truly for 40 years or so, because starting in high school and college. And so I love leading worship. I love leading Bible studies. And I saw what this activities director was doing 
in terms of spiritual care for these people with dementia. And something just clicked. I just thought, oh, this is the best thing ever. Because I could see how these people were responding. I would sit with them during this um, church service. And, you know, I remember this one dear woman and she'd have her head down and then a hymn would come on and I would start singing the hymn and she would lift up her head and start singing. And I just was blown away by that. So then when this wonderful gentleman left for another elder care job in another city, the staff knew about my background with worship leading and Bible study. And so I became their chaplain and loved doing it. So I was I was working as a magazine editor at that time. So I, I've spent the better part of two decades as a professional editor and writer and was really loving it up until about the last two years. And that at that point, I just started to feel like I was running out of energy. I was running out of ideas, becoming very cranky and very just not enjoying what I used to enjoy so much. Yeah. Crankiness is a sign. Of something. Yes, crankiness is a sign. <laughs> yes, exactly. And and dread. I just didn't enjoy going into work anymore. So there was this parallel thing happening where I was still doing that job. It was, you know, kind of glamorous and cool. And, you know, everybody would say, wow, you're a food editor. That's the most amazing job. I wish I had that job. And I was thinking, oh, man, I, j- I just want to get out. Yeah. Right. And at the same time, I was volunteering with these dementia residents, and that was what kept my soul alive. I loved it so much, and I would come home every week and just have stories about the amazing things that were happening. So I finally made the leap away from my professional publishing career and just left. I just said, you know what, it's, it's time. And I didn't have a plan B. I didn't have another job to go to. But I decided to start freelancing, and The Lord has been so gracious because I have had plenty of freelance work, which I love because I can set my own hours. And then I was able to devote more and more time to this chaplain work, which, of course, all my friends and family were saying, why don't you do more of that? You really like that. But it was just one of those things where it took the Lord and me a long time to sort of agree, you know, to say, "Okay, this is really what you need to be focusing your time on. And the editing stuff and the writing stuff, I mean, I still love that and still do it, but that's not what's what feeds my soul and, and where I feel like I need to be. Let's talk about that for a moment. The period of time it took to move out of that career, mm-hmm. if somebody is in that position right now and they feel like they really come alive when they do this other thing and they feel mm-hmm. cranky doing what they do now. What would you what would you share with them? Wow, I would say the Lord will provide. I mean, it sounds cliché, but it's just it's just so true. We fear the unknown. It, it's a natural fear. It's not a sin to think, "Oh, what what's going to happen?" But this is where faith comes in. And it's like, you know what? If God has a a, a plan for you that fills you, is the abundant life that Jesus promised. Why would he leave you hanging and, and say, you know, I want you to have abundant life, but I'm not going to make it work for you. Forget it. You know, that's not Jesus. Right? So I just didn't, I, I guess I didn't have the vision that the Lord had for me, that this could not only be something that fills my soul, but that turns out to be so important for so many dear children of God that are often forgotten, Mm. these elders with dementia. 
I know, again, it's one of those cliches that where the world needs you is, you know, where God has, has made you to be, that's where you need to be. It's like, yeah, yeah. But the title of your podcast is so appropriate, Real Faith. And I didn't know it would happen. Now, I will have a huge caveat here. My husband, completely supportive, right? He, he knew we were going to be giving up a fair chunk of income, but he could see that this is what I needed to be doing. And so it's like, you know what, we'll just trust that this is, is going to be okay. And it's been more than okay. What's your husband's name? His name is Dave. Way to go, Dave. He's, Way to support. Yeah, he's, he's such my hero. He really <laughs> is. And he's a mathematician. So it's been fun because he's been just recently starting to delve into some of the analytics of my website, which we haven't even yet talked about. But it's been fun to see how once I kind of made that leap without really a, a clear plan B, I wasn't really even doing the spiritual elder care stuff, you know, in any major way at that point, how it's grown and how it has surpassed anything that I would have planned. What was your prayer during that time as you were working through that decision? Oh, gosh, I prayed for so long that while I was still in my other job, that God would give me another job. I mean, I was thinking, okay, I need some other publishing job or I need some other you know, industry job. I didn't have the vision that something completely different would be possible. I was really kind of praying for something along the same lines as what I was doing, which is really silly. But I didn't see this kind of, oh, you can piece it together with both this ministry, which is not a money-making ministry, and this freelance uh, work that, like I said, I still enjoy doing it. So it's not even that I wanted to completely abandon that. So my prayer was really much smaller than what God wanted to give me. My prayer was just like, could you just give me a different job, right? And God was like, oh, you have no idea. <laughs> you have you have things to do here. And it's a great feeling because I just feel like, wow, it is true that God knows so much. He has such a bigger vision for how he wants to bless his people and he'll provide for us. So yeah, it's it's going to be different for everyone. Looking back at your mm-hmm. former self, you just said, my prayer was very small. How would you counsel your previous self knowing you're on this side of it now? What would you have done differently or prayed differently? I guess I would feel, I would preach to myself, Elisa, believe the word of God. Believe that what he says is, I have a plan for you that's Mm. good and will bless you. And don't be afraid. I mean, we can count innumerable instances where the scriptures, angels and, you know, the Lord himself and Jesus say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And I, I think I was just like most people with a career. I was so wrapped up in, wow, I spent my whole life building this. I can't just walk away. That's crazy. That's too scary. And of course, everything in our culture says, yeah, don't walk away. You've spent a long time building this. But, yeah. So I would counsel my I would counsel my younger self, look at the word and listen and pay attention and believe it. This is true. God is not going to leave you hanging in a bad place to step out, to step out in faith. As you made this transition, Elisa, mm-hmm. over into elder care, what was one of the first few experiences as you made that full-time transition that just hit you right between the eyes 
And this was just mm-hmm. total affirmation. Any experiences mm. like that? Yes, I will tell you my favorite story. So this is, and I do have permission to use this particular woman's name. Her name was Betty Jo. And I always say Betty Jo is one of my teachers in the faith. She was a woman who lived in a memory care community, at very advanced uh, dementia over time. Of course, it progressed. But I knew that she, from the get-go, I knew that she was a dear believer. And when she could still walk and partly talk, we would walk around and she would talk about Jesus and the Bible and verses. Anyway, I loved her. So her caregiver would bring her to the small group Bible studies that I was doing in this residence. And there was one day she came and she slept through the whole thing, which is totally normal. I have no problem with that. But her head was down. Her eyes were closed. That's fine. So we're having this conversation with just a few people there. And we were talking about uh, the woman with the flow of blood. She says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And then turns around and says, who touched me? And the woman tells the whole story and she goes away healed. He calls her daughter and says, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. So we, we had this lovely Bible study, probably at least a half an hour. And at the end of it, Betty Jo rather suddenly raised her head and started talking. And the reason I can tell you this story now is because I started writing it down and I didn't even catch it all. But she started talking and said, She had the opportunity to tell the whole thing, and Jesus waited to hear the whole thing. Okay, at that point, I'm thinking, she's talking about the passage. Yes. I didn't know she was even hearing it. She continued, she was kicking up her feet. Think how long it had been since she wanted to dance. Maybe never. Hallelujah. What a wonderful day this has been. How do you think that woman felt? Nobody would mention it, let alone heal her, but God touched her right there. She didn't know God from a pee in a hole. <laughs> every time I every time I just read that, it cracks me up. But she was healed. Glory. How do we feel right now just thinking about it? And so at that point I said, Well, how do you, how do you feel, Betty Joe? And Betty Joe said, like I had been shattered and then lifted out of hell to live like a live person. She didn't have a chance. And now she was healed. Wow. <laughs> I just was I was so blown away because I truly did not know that anything was getting through. And so I feel like that was a turning point for me where I realized it doesn't have to look like anything's happening for the person. It doesn't have to be anything interacting during this time, whether it's a song or a worship service or a Bible study. God is getting through. And God is blessing. And we may never know. I mean, that was just a, a little window that that opened up. But I just realized, okay, I am never again going to assume that the person is just checked out, yeah. that they can't hear, that God isn't doing anything. Because I, I hear that all the time. It's like, well, you know, the per- person won't remember anyway. And, you know, well, I don't know. It's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. Right? I hear that all the time. Mm-hmm. Wh- whatever, you know, if they come or not, it's not going to matter. Like, oh, please do not assume that because God is doing things that he, he would not believe even if he were told, as it says in Habakkuk. Yeah. So, yeah, that's so many stories like that. Do you have another one that springs to mind? Yeah, I do. This is a different story. This was a woman who was a new resident, uh, so I had not known her, and she came to one of my worship services for the first time, and she stared at me 
very intently the whole time. <laughs> I was a little unsettled, to be honest with you. I was a little unsettled because I couldn't tell if she was enjoying it or not, right? Her, her, you know, eagle gaze at me, yeah. that it was more of a flat affect, but she was very much awake. But she did, I remember she did mouth some of the hymns at times. Mm -hmm. So I knew that there was some engagement on some level, but, you know, that was the whole hour. But afterwards, I saw her in the hallway and she was trying to talk to me about the service. And it was mostly what's called word salad, which is just, you know, kind of a gibberish of different kinds of words that, that don't make sense. But the person is clearly trying to communicate. And she was so intent and she was saying things like, beautiful. You, I was watching. I, I that was so beautiful, you know. So she was, and so it was like, okay, well, she, I assume she's talking about the service. So I just put my hands gently on her shoulders and I said, Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad you were there. Your words mean so much to me. But it was later I found out I got a message from the staff that her son wanted to talk with me. And so we spoke by phone a few days later, and it, it turned out the son, who's also a Christian, he told me that his mom had gone on and on about the church service, that it had really meant something to her, because apparently she had been in an abusive spiritual relationship where her husband had forced her to go to church to the point where she would finally just go and sit in her car. Wow. And her son said, so for her, for my mom to say Christ to me several times in a positive way, we had not heard her do that for years. And I was just, I was like, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. how beautiful. Again, that there, were, there had been this unfortunate situation. I don't know all the details, but she had been turned off by church and, you know, by extension, turned off to God. And then God's sitting there saying, okay, yeah, but you're not done yet. And here's something I want, you know, she, he's speaking to this woman with pretty advanced dementia saying, look, I come home, come home. I'm here for you. I love you. And so that was such a meaningful, unfortunately, that woman moved away from that residence. So I didn't see what happened after that. But it was such, again, such a testimony to me. God is not done with these people. They are still here and they have a hunger for spiritual things. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that's another good one. I mean, there's so many, I've lost count. <laughs> I try to write down these stories, but I, I truly, I'm now um, to the point where I expect to see something miraculous happen every single time. And something does happen. I'm not exaggerating. Every single time I am surprised by something that someone says or does. And I kind of always am looking around saying, did, did anybody else just see that? Because that was amazing. Please share another. I love these. Well, oh, there was a sweet one, this man. Oh, I just love him so much. And he recently passed away. So it makes me sad to, but also happy to recall him. This was cool because he, uh, just a big bear of a man. And he was kind of, I don't want to say suspicious, but you know, when this often happens when I'm encountering a new resident and they will say something like, well, are you Catholic? Are you Methodist? You know, they want to know, do I fit into their, exactly. their memory of what being a, a churchgoer or a Christian means? And so, you know, I have lots of ways of discussing that. I say, you know what? I'm a chaplain for everyone and please just come. And if you don't like it, that's fine. 
you can leave any time. I won't be offended. You know, I often say no conversion required. (laughs) (laughs) And so, so I have people that are Jewish, that are Muslim. I have people that come from all kinds of faiths. Anyway, this gentleman, I would say, started out just a teensy bit suspicious, maybe. But then he came. And I'm telling you, he was hooked from the the get-go. And so then he became a regular at these Bible studies and church services. And he had still a lot of language ability left. So he he was very able to engage verbally, which was cool. Mm -hmm. But after many weeks, maybe even months, I have a whole series of Bible studies on the Ten Commandments. And we had just talked about the Second Commandment, the no graven images. And he chimed in a couple times because he remembered Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Afterwards, he came to me and he said, you know, I spent my whole life working and building business and doing this and that, but I'm having a new awakening. He said, God is number one and nothing else really matters. He's the most important thing. It's a new awakening for me, Mm. he said. And then he said, and that's all due to your work here, dear. I just I just thought that was so great. Yeah. You know, that again, he was being reached in a way that was new and mm-hmm. to him. Again, this moment is the only thing that matters when you're with somebody with dementia. And so it was just so wonderful. It was such an affirmation for me. The underlying theme here so far for me on these three stories is if you have breath, mm-hmm. you have purpose. Right. That's and right. God is yeah. not finished, regardless. Right. And you've so seen that over and over and over. Exactly. Yep. And I tell that to I tell that to families, and I tell that to the people with dementia themselves. I, we we talk about purpose a lot because one of the sad things is that people who are older or they they have a sense even that they're done. And I tell them, look, you are here, and God has a purpose for you, and they crave that. Mm-hmm. I mean, which one of us would not? want a purpose. Right. And and they don't they don't want to feel like they're they're just done. And so I tell them, hey, if you're still here, which you are, God has a purpose for you right now, today. Maybe it's just inviting somebody to sit next to you for lunch. Maybe it is just giving a smile to someone who needs it today. You you have a reason for being so yeah, that's definitely one of my my takeaways and something I repeat a lot. Well, let's talk about your website. You have a tremendous yeah. amount of content there that you freely share. <laughs> what is the web address? Spiritualeldercare.com. And yes, I realized pretty early on that I was creating these original, you know, worship service agendas and these interactive Bible studies. And I thought, well, the reason I started creating was because when I looked online, I didn't find anything or very little. I found very little that was dementia specific for entering into spiritual care. And I thought, well, goodness, if I'm looking for it, other people are probably looking for it. So, you know, this is where my writing and editing background and, you know, working with web systems came in handy Mm -hmm. Because as I was creating these resources, I thought, well, other people could use them. So let me put them up on a website and people can access them. So I started with with that, with the worship service agendas and the Bible studies. And then the songs became a huge missing piece. Oh, my goodness. We could have a whole podcast just about how music is so important for people with dementia. Share a little bit about that. Why is that? Music... I think probably anybody listening to this will 
immediately be able to think of a song that they learned when they were in grade school or high school that sometimes they cannot get out of their head. <laughs> you, you know the lyrics to these songs, even if you don't want to, you know, terrible songs. We can think of one right now, right? I can think of several. <laughs> I won't name them because then you'll have it stuck in your head. <laughs> but for so many of people of, of this generation, they went to church every week without fail. They, it was just part of their lives. You know, it's Sunday, you go to church. And so these hymns, these, uh, these classic, what I would say, even eternal hymns, became part of their long-term memory. And what I found is so fascinating, there, are, there have now been scientific studies done that indicate that the center of the brain, you know, the brain has all these different parts and sections that are responsible for different functions. And the, the part of the brain that stores music is largely untouched through the entire course of Alzheimer's disease up until someone dies. They still retain memory of music and hymns and lyrics and so it's just, I love that so much because to me, it's like, okay, God knows we were created to worship and that piece is never going to go away. It doesn't even matter if wow. you have a diseased brain. I it's love just going to stay. I love that. I love it too. Yeah. It's so great. And of course, that's borne out through my experience because people who are largely nonverbal or completely nonverbal in other settings, I have seen countless times start to mouth the words or sing a song. Because again, it's hardwired into that long-term procedural memory so that it, the music comes on and they remember. They remember the words. They remember this, the hymn. And they will start to weep. They will just light up. It's so beautiful. I have sung over people many times as they have been passing from this life to the next. And I know they can still hear me. Wow. I had, okay, here's another quickie story. I had this one woman who was actively, it's called actively dying. You know, the person is on their way. And so her eyes were closed. She, she was almost like, I would say in a coma. And I was speaking over her and just saying, Barbara, I asked her for something like, do you want X, Y, Z? If so, squeeze my hand. And she, nothing. And then I said, would you like me to keep singing hymns? If so, squeeze my hand. And she squeezed my hand. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So for the next hour, and eventually her, I believe it was her daughter-in-law and her grandsons came in. For the next hour, we sang hymns over and over and over. Because I thought, okay, she can hear these. So then realized as I was doing this website that I couldn't find downloadable hymns that were specific for people with dementia. There was one company who produced a couple of CDs that were arranged. So when I say specific for people with dementia, that means they're very simple, simple, simple arrangements. They are slower. They are shorter. So, you know, two or three verses instead of five. And they're in a lower key, which is easier for older voices to sing. And, you know, I called the company and I said, do you have any plans to, to put these on uh, as MP3 files that people could download? Because I just thought, I want to. I want them to be as accessible as possible, and they said no. So I said, "Well, then I'm. I'm going to do it." You know, again, my worship background sort of coming into play. Yeah. So I, I undertook this rather massive, turned out to be rather massive project. I, of course, naively was thinking, "Oh, I'll, I'll get this done in you know three or four months." It took about a year and a half, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I did a, a fundraiser. Uh, GoFundMe. And, you know, my husband and I also committed money to this because I really wanted these to be hymn recordings that were dementia specific, 
professionally produced with a lot of different professional musicians. I wanted to be able to pay my musicians and I wanted to use a professional recording studio. So all those things, you know, that takes money. So over time, I was able to get these done. It's just, oh, it makes me so happy because I now have, I got a little bit ambitious and there are now 86 classic hymns and spirituals and 20 Christmas, classic Christmas hymns. Just all the classics that you would think of for Christmas. All that's on your website, correct? Yes, yes. That's an incredible resource. And that's just touching, barely touching the surface of what you offer. I also went on your YouTube page. You have so Mm. many videos and so many pre-planned services for, it's overwhelming. (laughs) Honestly, you've done an incredible (laughs) job here. See, as a a content creator, that's what happened. I just, again, I got pretty ambitious and uh, just kind of (laughs) applied all of that writing and editing that I love to do. The YouTube thing was hilarious because that was a, that completely came out of COVID. I had no plans to do videos. I didn't know how to make a video. I had no idea. But when COVID hit, like everyone else, I was suddenly prevented from going into these elder care communities. And I'll always remember Easter was coming up and I thought, I'll be darned if I'm going to let Easter go by without them having something. So I just, you know, sort of sat down in front of my computer and fired up QuickTime and iMovie and started basically creating the church services that I would do in person as a video. Mm-hmm. And it was very trial and error. And But then I realized, oh my gosh, I already have my hymns. So I, I quickly created YouTube versions of my hymns, which have, so the YouTube versions, the only difference is, of course, they have lyrics. So you could sing along. And then I... I sort of got locked into creating one of these videos every week. And none of us thought COVID was going to last at that time. Mm-hmm. Right? We're thinking, oh, I'll do this for a couple months. Well, the year went by. I now have more than a year's worth of these videos. And I then started getting emails, and I still do, every week from all over the world. All over the world. All over the world. I'm not kidding. So, uh, which I just, I'm still stunned by that because of course I was getting people saying, oh my goodness, thank you. Our chaplain is no longer able to come in. Our church volunteer is no longer able to come in. Uh, You know, these poor activity directors are scrambling to do something at this most critical time Mm -hmm. to bring hope and some point of connection to their people who are so cut off and they found the videos. That's just God's doing. So yeah, I I could not be more surprised. What are some of the comments you've gotten from around the world? Please share a couple. So I remember getting one from this woman in Panama and she said, you know, we're caring for my mom at home. She has vascular dementia and we're under strict quarantine here in Panama And it's been really hard adjusting because she's such an active person and it's so hard to get her to connect with any activity for more than a little while, but she instantly connects with your program like nothing I've ever seen before. (laughs) She calms right down and is at peace, even more so than when she's in her own church, which is her favorite place in the world. Again, I can't thank you enough. We watch your programs multiple times a day. You have been a lifesaver. Incredible. There's another woman in Kansas. She's this beautiful woman, chaplain, reverend. She works at a long-term care community. And bless her, she is uh, of Indian descent. She comes from India, so she has a heavy accent. And she found my website because she had been thinking about creating her own videos for her residents, but her accent gets in the way. Sure. And so she said, oh my goodness, I'm so grateful I found your 
videos. And we just talked this this past week. I never would have known about her except that she got in touch with me, this lovely lady. And she says, you know, I show I show your videos at least three times a week because she shows them in different groups, small groups that she goes around. So yeah, again, people in Australia and people in the UK and I don't know how, but my metrics tell me, you know, people in Singapore. (laughs) Yeah, all over, all over. So what's the website again? Spiritualeldercare.com. And it's all for free. I just, I so wanted people to be able to provide this kind of care and service. And I just wanted to make the bar as low as possible because my dear, dear desire is that people would say, oh, I can, I can do this, right? I I get it. I get that it's important, but I don't feel qualified. I'm not a chaplain. I don't have training. And I want to say, it doesn't matter. I will give you what you need to, to do this. I tell people, even if you just read it, it's going to be better than nothing. Right. And of course, I, I am convinced that as people get into it themselves, whether you're a volunteer or uh, a pastor or a chaplain or whatever, as you get into it, you make it your own, you know, you use the resources, but then your own personality will come through because you're unique as God's created son or daughter. Use the resources however it works for you, but it will become your own ministry to your own residents, right? It's, it's God's very good at customizing. As we finish up here, I'd love for you to pray for our listeners, please. Oh, thank you. Oh, Heavenly Father, I am so beyond grateful and humbled that you are so active in the lives of people with dementia. And I'm humbled because I think for myself and for others, again, our vision can be too small for what is possible. Lord, would you expand our vision of your love for people, all people? whether they have what we would consider typical cognitive ability or not, and that you love, love, love to reach and to bless and to shower your own spirit on all of us. So Lord, thank you. And I pray that anybody listening to this that would feel like, yeah, that's something I want to do and could do, Lord, that you would give them the hope and the vision and the excitement of the blessings that they will see as they are dear, dear elders. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your amazing work. And we love you and bless you. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for the work you're doing. Oh, thank you. Honor to speak with you, Elisa. Oh, it is such my pleasure, Brian. Thank you so much for the work you do as well and for getting the word out. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.